Hello and welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. Uh, today I am talking to uh, Dr. Thomas Hudzik from ALA Biopharma Consulting. Uh, uh, Thomas, uh, welcome to Addiction Audio and thank you for your time. Thank you for the invitation to talk with us. Um, so uh, Thomas is here today to talk about um, an editorial that was published in Addiction recently titled uh, Cannabis and Sport, a World Anti-Doping Perspective. Um, so, uh, Thomas, this this was an editorial explaining the the WADA, the World Anti Doping Agency, perspective on on cannabis in sport. I think my, my first question was that this has a a fairly a moderately long author list. Um, uh, can you just talk us through the different uh, kind of skills experiences that WADA uh, call on when uh, reviewing an area like this? So WADA, you know, typically will bring in a- experts. Um, you know, as, as needed, um, you know, they don't have unlimited resources, but they do have a collection of go-to, uh, you know, people who stay current with, uh, you know, the scientific literature around doping, um, current with, you know, understanding of physiology and, and these types of things. And I'm a pharmacologist by training, and I think the only one on the, uh, the list committee. Each of those authors um, that you see are participants in the, the list uh, committee, the list being the list of prohibited substances. And, you know, to maintain that list takes three meetings a year where, you know, um, in August, we publish the list for the next year. But, um, you know, in January, the following year, we get feedback and from stakeholders, which is different anti-doping organizations, for example. Um, and then, you know, we will respond to them and, make changes as necessary, depending on input from stakeholders, as well as um, ongoing science and kind of keeping abreast of that. So in this particular case, um, because, uh, you know, cannabis has been legalized in a number of countries, although certainly not in any majority of countries that participate in sport, um, we did start getting communications from stakeholders saying, well, why is it still banned if it's legal? And that was the purpose of the exercise, uh, you know, to, to go through how something is banned. Um, so I mentioned three criteria in the paper. And then beyond that, um, you know, h- how we interpret uh, cannabis meeting or cannabis use meeting this criteria. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to those three criteria in a moment. Um, b- but before we kind of get there, is it is it difficult to estimate the kind of current prevalence of cannabis use among sports people, considering it's a, a banned substance? Are there challenges with kind of knowing how big an issue this is? Yeah, I mean, there have been a couple of studies where, you know, it's a blinded survey that was given just to sort of gauge, um, you know, a ballpark estimate of, you know, how many athletes do uh, consume cannabis. And um it, it really does look as if it's no different than general population, which was a surprise to me because I figured, you know, top athletes uh, probably wouldn't want to burn and inhale something. So <laughs> it comes from somebody who smoked for 20 years. But, uh, now the, the, but the current ban, so kind of moving, moving closer towards, uh, towards kind of Wilder's work, uh, the current ban is for in competition only. Uh, can you just kind of talk through... Um, what that means in terms of what what is permitted and what what is what is banned well i mean someone who's acutely intoxicated um that would be a no-no <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And, you know, again, whether it's with cannabis or with alcohol, um, which is often, you know, measured right at the, uh, you know, the sporting event, um, it's, it's going to be a problem for them. Um, we, and I say we, meaning members of the committee, um, and, you know, a, a few people among them in, in particular, um, sort of sat down and hashed out, okay, well, what levels in urine can help us understand how long ago they may have used and how much the uh, athlete may have used. And the numbers that we landed on really limit the number of people who would be, let's say, caught for, you know, using cannabis in competition to those that smoked right before competition, which again, we do intoxication, we kind of frown on anyway, or very, very heavy uh, users um, because it does accumulate, you know, the metabolites of, of cannabis do accumulate in body over time. And so a very heavy user will always maintain a pretty high level that might put them into that threshold. And that's the kind of athlete then who we may consider um, to you know, move on to a you know, sort of uh, drug uh, use treatment program at that point. And I say we, it's important to remember, I'm not a member of WADA. I'm from the outside WADA. I came in as an external consultant and I come back every year. <laughs> um, so, like, it, it, you talk in the commentary about reviewing, I think there were 3,000 studies uh, for this exercise to review uh, cannabis's um, uh, position. Uh, how do you go about kind of synthesizing evidence from such a large amount of studies? Do you, do you kind of split them into different kind of areas of expertise or do you undertake a kind of systematic review? How, how does that work in practice? We, we, we all kind of stick to the same principles of you know, what good science is, which, you know, um, I, I mean, I don't think I need to say that, but I mean, it, this means you're going to sort of randomize your subjects. You're going to um, control, you're going to blind, you know, observers to, to treatment, um, you know, and do the things that you need to do, power it appropriately and apply appropriate statistics. But um, in this case, because of the large volume of uh, papers that we went through, and it wasn't all just scientific papers, you know, just editorials, commentary. Um, we looked at one book on cannabis and, and running, um, which was entertaining. But, but yes, what we did was divide and conquer. And that is, you know, for papers that were specifically addressing you know, effects upon performance, we had one sub team working on that, specifically on spirit of the sport, we had, you know, an ethics sub team work on that. And, um, you know, the, the health uh, committee and the list committee worked together on the, uh, you know, the health aspects of, of cannabis. So you allude there to the kind of three, uh, the three criteria that need to be considered. Now, for a, for a ban to be implemented, if I understand this correctly, uh, two of those criteria must be met. Um, so those those three criteria. Can you can you talk me through initially what those three criteria were, and then perhaps we can we can kind of look at them in relation to cannabis. Well, so the the first criterion, which I don't think cannabis met, is that it really. Um, has the potential to enhance performance or actually does enhance performance. And those classes of drugs that we know will enhance performance. Um, and then there are those that, that may, but you know, we may not have um, you know, a, a large amount of science supporting it. And a lot of times it falls on water 
to um, you know do the work uh, around whether performance is being altered or not by a, a given compound. So that's the first criterion. And I'll, I'll mention also that the criteria are, are pretty much um, equally weighed. So you know performance enhancements certainly is an important criterion, but it's not the only criterion that we look at, and it doesn't carry. Um, the greatest weight necessarily. Sorry, with, within that criteria, you did find some studies uh, that talked about a performance enhancing benefits from cannabis around, uh, was it pain management? Yeah, I mean, so athletes will tell you that, um, you know, the reason they use is, you know, partly to, to sort of calm down a bit after, uh, you know, performance, but also this in order to help them calm down and, and, you know, help them recover over time and help with pain and, and, and other things. So I, I think that probably the majority of, of use, you know, is, is along those lines, at least anyway, and outside of competition. That makes sense. So, sorry, uh, the, the, then the second criteria w- was about harms. That's, that's a different kind of angle. You're right. So it's, it's, you know, the substance use can represent a risk to the athlete's health himself or to the health of athletes around him. So going back to our acute uh, intoxication um, example, um, somebody is allowed to perform um, in a group type of situation and their judgment will be impaired, most likely. Um, And that may affect the score that you have, but it could also mean you do something silly physically that you you might not have otherwise because your reaction time is slow, your temporal estimation uh, capabilities are slow, those kinds of things that are altered there and you know even outside of teams you don't you don't want intoxicated people throwing javelins i I presume things like that (laughs) well said (laughs) and so there's those first two which is um uh performance enhancing and and harms and and the third which i found really interesting was about uh the substance violating the spirit of the sport as defined in the code um and and perhaps for for listeners this is one that might need a bit more unpicking i suppose yeah, and this this one has um, usually been a topic of a discussion you know, for WADA going forward, but it, it really comes out of the World Anti-Doping Code, which was you know uh, initiated at the time that uh, uh, that World Anti-Doping came into to being in the early two thousands, and basically it sort of it tries to capture the um, the essence of what being an athlete is from a, a human standpoint. Um, so it's a little fluffier than some of the other criteria, but what it means is, you know, you want to follow, you know, certain, um, certain codes of conduct as an athlete, especially as a professional one, as a role model. These are the things that, you know, uh, are, are pointed to, um, we do say that with it is that it cuts against the spirit of the sport. And, you know, I guess what that means is if it's, it's, it's about doing your best, and achieving your best, you don't want to be acutely intoxicated. Um, it, it talks a bit in that third criteria, uh, criterion about being uh, about positive role models. Um, and is this something that, that's kind of embedded within within WADA's uh, remit? It, it is. And again, I mean, this World Anti-Doping Code, you know, was agreed very broadly. Um, and a lot of input was, was, was taken. Um, and it, it makes sense to me. Respect for other participants, you know, again, if you're acutely intoxicated, it's unlikely. <laughs> you're probably showing disrespect. You're probably breaking the law depending on which country you're in. 
that type. Is is cannabis is the changing legal nature of cannabis in some some US states and some countries? Um, does this put cannabis in a unique position? I suppose it, someone may be using a, a substance that's legal in their country and that doesn't enhance their performance, and, and yet is still banned uh, according to WADA um, for in competition use. Um, and I think it's important to make that distinction. But are, are there other substances that have that same kind of um, status? I think you mentioned alcohol before. Right. And again, that's usually measured, you know, right at the event itself. Um, nicotine is one that certainly, you know, is used. Um, arguably, it, can, it could have some effects, but it is legal throughout most of the world. And, and so it's, it's a little bit different than, than that. Um, cannabis is kind of in an evolving position. Um, Right now in the US, it's so complicated by the fact that, you know, as far as the federal government is concerned, it's, you know, DEA schedule one substance, meaning no therapeutic value. That has changed a little bit. And, you know, now it's gone down to two, I think, mm -hmm. or for, you know, tetrahydrocannabinol, at least anyway. But, um, and the states, on the other hand, have the freedom to, you know, legalize it if they want. So it's a, it's a really kind of interesting conflict that we're still trying to sort out as time goes on. And we'll get there. Just, there is recognition that there's medicinal benefit for, you know, potentially for cannabis. Um, however, again, if you bring it into a country like, you know, Russia, um, that could be problematic because it's just not legal there. If you do use it in a country where it is legal, um, you can get a therapeutic use exemption. And what that means is you basically work with your doctor to say, I need to take this, this is why, and it's been prescribed. And medical cannabis, that's not a problem. And anyone using medical cannabis most likely um, would not use right before, you know, sporting event. Yeah, I mean, like uh, the kind of TUEs that the, the people get for hay fever medication, things like that. Correct. Correct. I mean, some, you know, the stimulants in some of those and those yeah. could potentially enhance performance, but if you declare them and they don't, you know, appear in, in, in urine at an extremely high level, um, it's, it's okay. So, so it, you, you talk um, about the kind of evolving nature, uh, the evolving status of cannabis. So it's obviously the assessment, uh, the assessment of uh, its, 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 so obviously, its position within WADA, uh, you know, will be reviewed, and and if you know, if in some future lots and lots of countries have legalized cannabis, that might have an impact on 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 how it's how it's viewed. But alongside that is the changing kind of strength and um, uh, makeup of of cannabis. Is that having an impact on how it's how it's used, how it's um, how it's viewed by WADA? Yeah, I mean it's. It's been interesting to see what's been happening to the you know delta nine THC content, which is one of the more active uh, uh, of the, the many many constituents in, in cannabis. You see the content going up over time, and that's you know it's, it's getting bred into newer and newer strains as they crossbreed in. They keep increasing it. Now it's gotten to a point where you know uh, the cannabis of my youth, for example. Um, would look nothing like the cannabis that's uh, available today. There are 
um, you know, two sources of cannabis. One is illicit, of course, and that's a vast majority of the cannabis around the world, and that's generally high THC content. Um, and then medicinal cannabis, which is bred to sort of look at um, maybe lowering the THC in some instances relative to something like cannabidiol, which is another cannabinoid that's um, you know present there. Which some people, you know, there's some data to suggest that it may sort of limit or moderate the effects of THC itself, which is good. Now, cannabidiol is an approved drug in the United States as well um, for treatment of some kinds, some types of uh, infantile epilepsy. So it does have medical use. So um, that's not a schedule one substance or two substance for that matter. What we've often seen is as recreational cannabis is legalized, you get a big uptick in emergency room visits. And that's again, because the cannabis of my youth um, is, is very different and very weak compared to what's out there now. And people, you know, pick it up and not know necessarily, you know, what five milligrams of THC means. Not everybody's a pharmacologist. And, um, and so again, you know, people end up with, you know, complaints about, you know, cardiovascular effects. There's certainly a lot of anxiety, acute psychosis can sometimes be precipitated. Um, so those are the you know, effects of just using too much at, at one time. The other kind of user, which is really most problematic for us is again, the chronic user, the one who now has a, a use disorder, who finds it difficult to stop um, and really is in need of treatment and, and help. But uh, they are, those are the people who generally have started very early in life. And you know, the, the more cannabis you use, the more effects it's going to have on brain development. And that's, that's an incredibly important factor for, for a lot of us is that you know, most of the top athletes, out, many of the top athletes out there, I'll say, um, their brain's not finished yet. I mean, we, we know, you know, the brain continues to, to um, prune synapses and, you know, recreate new ones throughout the life of anybody. But, you know, a lot of this pruning occurs, um, you know, through adolescence and into early adulthood. And so maybe up to 30 years old, some people think. You know that THC can interfere with that process and, and result in some changes. And, and and my final question, sorry, I, I find this incredibly interesting. But um, uh, is is uh, uh, do you also review some of the the kind of new or novel psychoactive drugs uh, that are coming around, particularly synthetic cannabinoids? Is that is that a problem for detection or for kind of development of uh, of what WADA does? Yeah, that's a that's a terrific question. Um, so a, a couple of us on the committee, me being one, uh, Marilyn Houston being. Um, Another one, um, you know, have, have worked you know a lot with psychoactive substances in the, the past. Um, you know, pharmacology of study of pharmacokinetics of, um, and so this always comes up. Now we have analytical people as well. So when we say, "Gee, we want to measure that. How hard will it be?" We can, you know, there's another group that can sort of assess that. But we do try and keep on top of the literature. And some of the information that we have, again, just comes from our understanding of the literature and we won't bring it into a face-to-face -face meeting and discuss it and discuss whether it's banned or not. A lot of times it comes from stakeholders um, who are just asking, well, my guy's taking this, is this okay? And a lot of times information comes in from say Interpol um, and, and drug seizures 
And, and that again gives us a clue as to, okay, what are they using now, even if it's a new synthetic. So, um, and we have to consider, you know, these criteria each time they, they, they come up. So it's, it's an interesting exercise and it's, it's always different. It's always changing because some bathtub chemist is always making <laughs> a new analog. And again, the detection method may pick it up, but it, it also may not. So yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I was you know, talking about, when you can see structural brain changes, it's also functional brain changes. Again, if you expose um, younger organisms to, to THC and some of the other uh, tetrahydric uh, cannabinoids that are in there as well, some of the other constituent ingredients, um, it can impact you know, how the brain develops. And it can impact, you know, behavior of that animal later in life relative to ones that have been treated with THC. And again, I mean, the one point I think that's just very important is, you know, I, I personally, I don't judge, you know, what people want to do with their, with their lives. However, you know, when it comes to something like cannabis that we know can affect developmental trajectory, um, you certainly want anyone under 21 to stay away from it. And where it is legalized, that is generally the case. And that's, that's fine. Although 21 probably is not the cutoff of brain development. But mm. Nonetheless. So again, I mean, you know, just to think of it as a harmless substance, it's, it's not, especially as you, if you're 14 and smoking. So. Well, I, I just, I mean, I think, in addition to to the usual, thanks for your time. I, th- I, th- I think I'd like to say thank you for. Uh, we rarely get. Uh, I really rarely get to kind of interview people about uh, about sports, about drugs in sports, and about kind of that international perspective that that WADA has taking into account the legal status in multiple different countries and changing substances and, and bathtub chemists. So, thank you so much for those insights and for your time today. Happy to happy to talk. Happy to be here, and thanks for the invitation again.